1: the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Reichel. And today's episode is going to cover the common changes most girls experience during those pubescent years. To help me out, I have a special guest, Anita Sheffer, who is a positive, fun health teacher. She teaches in New York. And would you like to say hello, Anita? Hi,
2: everyone. And Lori, thanks so much for having me.
1: It's so nice to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for doing this. Anita and I met some years ago in the same school district, so it's a pleasure to have you on here. And you have experience at the middle school level a lot. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, we're talking about 30 years just at the middle school teaching health education.
1: Wow. Yeah, Thank you for that service for those children. So for this episode today, we're going to talk about the common changes most girls experience. It'll be part one, which includes the growth spurts, with the body changes, hair growth. We'll mention the menstrual cycle, the ovulation that occurs with that, and then other questions children typically have about most girls. And part 2 we'll go more into the body parts most girls have, as well as the menstrual cycle. We're going to start with the growth spurts most girls experience, in which those physical changes occur anywhere between the ages eight to 13. We certainly know that there are some children that start earlier than others, and then some are a little later than others. And basically how that happens is it's our body telling us when it's supposed to grow. Yeah,
2: pretty much. Besides the fact that some of it has to do with the chemical changes young girls are experiencing at this time, the pituitary gland sends a signal that alerts the body that really growth spurts are supposed to be starting up. And this can be as young as eight. Lori, you're right. Uh, Sounds like a very surprising age. We think that you're supposed to be a little girl at this time when in fact, this little girl is experiencing some changes and a growth spurt is the beginning of those changes.
1: Part of that growth spurt is the development of breasts and the widening of the hips. Anita, do you want to talk about why these things usually happen to most girls?
2: Yes. Yeah, so, you know, once once we reach the age where estrogen begins production by the ovaries, this surge creates so many different changes and hips widening, breast buds, along with, as we mentioned, the growth spurt are the first several changes that we would notice physically. And putting aside all of the emotional changes that young girls experience. So yeah, the the hips widening is um, something that seems sudden and overnight and uh, can also be um, very confusing for a young girl, you know, to wake up and look in the mirror and all of a sudden see these hips and, you know, her jeans aren't fitting the way they did just a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, she's turning around and kind of looking at herself, wondering where they came from. But the fact of the matter, and this is what I tell my students, as young as the sixth grade, which is the grades that I teach in the middle school I'm in, this is what we have. This is what we need in order to someday be pregnant and potentially give birth to a child, even if we choose not to. It's something that our bodies are made and prepared to do.
1: In which I remember... When I started going through puberty, you know, you have that widening of the hips and that also changes in your twenties again for yes. a lot of females. We still, because if we do, like you said, choose to have a child, then that's going to help that carrying of the child. But even if you don't have a child, a lot of females experience that.
2: And then it changes again when you begin to go through menopause. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we won't go there now though. Three. <laughs> That'll <laughs> be the menopause prof. <laughs> for sure. Okay. So you had mentioned the budding into breasts in which a lot of girls experience first, it's more like the nipple area. It protrudes a little bit more. There's a little, it, again, it's called budding. And then typically more breast tissue will continue to grow around under protruding and making a breast. And that usually requires time in which sometimes there's soreness. So if there's soreness, a soreness that's, you know, okay, this is growing, that sometimes happens, that's growing pains. We can have that in different parts of our body. If it's a soreness that continues and you're concerned about it, if a child's concerned, we highly recommend that they go to a trusted adult and talk with that adult and perhaps a medical professional can be reached out to, to make sure that, yes, this is part of the growth process.
2: Yeah, and and the good news is that nowadays pediatricians are really good about speaking with young girls about the changes their bodies are experiencing. So you know, mentioning that there might be some discomfort around the breast area uh, is is important for a mom or a, another parent or guardian to discuss with the pediatrician at those young visits, uh, the well visits as we call them, once our girls reach a certain age, they're kind of on their own in the room with the pediatrician. And, you know, speaking from a mom's perspective also, you you kind of just hope that they're having the conversations that, you know, you guided them into having. One of the things I mentioned to my students is that 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 discomfort, and, and maybe even looking in the mirror and seeing um, the veins that start to appear, you know, those are all good signs that you're growing into this beautiful young woman. If ever there was any kind of secretion coming from the nipple area, you know, that would be in conjunction with the discomfort,
1: something to mention to your doctor, obviously.
2: But other than that, no, that's all normal.
1: Yeah. I mean, certainly after the breast form to know your body, uh, I still talk about the breast self-examination in which you're just used to your breasts because you're with your breasts all day long. And if you find anything lump, something under a skin, the under the skin, not like a pimple, the surface of the skin, but that's another time to go and talk with a medical professional. Absolutely. Now, Anita, what do you advise about bras and finding a bra?
2: So bras are tough because depending on the child, some are ready. They want to get to that store and pick out a bra and wear a bra. And it's a whole exciting Event for the child and and whichever adult they're bringing with them. For others, they don't even want to hear the word and will wear a um, a sports bra, if you will, for a very long time. Either is normal. Either is fine. Uh, what I would suggest is that when you do start to bud and things are more visible through your shirt, that you do wear something. You know, whatever it is that you choose, make sure you are wearing something to have support because as you get older and your breasts get larger, you definitely want to uh, have some additional support for them.
1: And if you're into any kind of sports, uh, like for jogging, I jog. So definitely I wear a bra that's more supportive Mm -hmm. because if you have a certain amount of breast tissue there, a certain breast size, there can be a little bouncing. So, And it's especially if you're about to get your period, there might be more soreness. So to wear a very supportive sports bra, and sometimes even two, that's what some girls will do. And certainly if you're like, well, I don't know what size I am, there are places to go online to figure out how to measure. However, a lot of stores that sell bras, they can actually have somebody measure you and help you find the best bra for your body. Because even though... Anita and I might be close in age, that doesn't mean that we should be wearing the same bra because we have different body shapes and everybody's body shape is what it's supposed to be. Right. And that's also important
2: is to let young girls know that most girls do not have the same breast sizes and shape. To sit in a classroom, for example, as a middle school student and look around and compare yourself to others is something that I really try to urge girls not to do because really they're all going to look different. And you may be very flat chested while your best friend may be wearing, you know, a C cup in seventh grade. So these are things to take into consideration and just realize that. If you are healthy and you know you're eating right and you're exercising, that no matter what size and shape they are, it's going to be considered normal.
1: I know sometimes I'll be asked by somebody like, okay, can I make my breasts be bigger? And it's like, well, why do you want bigger breasts? You know, there's pros and cons for all the different sizes of breasts. So if you're hoping that you'll get attention, that's something I always support people getting attention for who they are as a person, not for their body. Right. Because there's so much more than their body. As we're talking about breast size, another thing that I'm commonly asked, and I'm sure you are also asked Anita too, is that sometimes people stare at breasts or other body parts. And how does one handle that? Well, typically, you know, we can appreciate a person's body. You know, sometimes we're attracted to somebody's body. However, there's this subtle difference, not even a subtle difference. There's this difference of how to look, but not to have another person feel uncomfortable. So certainly if I'm attracted to someone, I can look at them, but it's not a staring look. It's not a look that I know that they, they're they feeling uncomfortable, or even if they're not able to tell me, that I know I shouldn't be staring at somebody's body. So in schools, there are policies, as well as at work, that if you're feeling uncomfortable because somebody is saying things to you, having uh, staring at you inappropriately, that we can go to people to help us with that. Certainly a teacher can help a student out if you feel comfortable with that teacher. If it is a teacher that you feel uncomfortable with, then going to another teacher or a guidance counselor or an administrator. Do you want to add anything on to that, Anita?
2: Yeah, I, you know, you just you bring up staring and it just reminds me of when I was little and my mom and I would be out shopping. Wow. And, you know, as a little girl, you just, you tend to, want to take everything in when you're out in public. And, and I mean, I'm talking really young. And when you see someone that is, that either looks different than you or that um, you do find attractive, you tend to stare. And I just remember my mom always being like, don't stare. You know, you don't stare at people. That's just not something that you do. It makes them feel uncomfortable. It's rude. And it's the same with this. You know, there's, there's a certain level of discomfort that staring Usually gives, and you know you would want to be able to speak up for yourself and let that person know if they're a complete stranger, you know you're you're walking somewhere, let's say you, whether it's uh, shopping with friends or even on a college campus, perhaps, and there's a complete stranger who's staring from afar, then that's a situation that potentially could be dangerous. And I would advise someone to get out of that situation as quickly as possible, maybe even let someone know that there is someone that's making them feel uncomfortable.
1: And then you just made me think, I never want to have anybody get scared. Like sometimes people are going to just look at you and they might find you attractive. Yet when you get the sense in your gut that something is awkward. And I remember as I was going through puberty, I had a neighbor a father of two kids that actually commented, "Lori, you're really developing," and checked out my body, and it felt so awkward yeah. that I left the situation. I don't recall if I told a parent because I I didn't know what to do. But we do teach in the health classroom to go talk to a trusted adult because that was inappropriate.
2: Yeah, a- and the tone as well. You know, it's it's recognizing and and this makes me think of a unit that I do on communication. It's recognizing the tone of voice, the facial expression, the body language, and the three together really bring to the table, you know, the difference between appropriate and inappropriate.
1: Yes. And certainly in another episode of the podcast, we'll go a little further about what to do when you're feeling uncomfortable because we don't want to scare anybody here, but there is a reality. Sometimes you might feel awkward around someone. So please go to a safe place and go to a trusted caregiver for sure.
2: Yes. And, and you know, everybody, please understand that as we have these conversations, Lori and I, you know, it brings us back to situations that we've experienced in our own lives. And you can't help but remember and just bring into the conversation some of those memories. Some, you know, were really great and some, you know, made us feel a little uncomfortable and we didn't really know what to do with that at that time. It was, it was a very different time than it is now. And in 2021, girls, you know, are taught to speak up
1: and that's the way it should be. Yep. So continuing with more growth that happens in the body, something that also grows in addition to the hips widening and the breast developing, the vulva and other reproductive parts mature or grow, and they grow proportionately to the body. So although in part two, we're going to go further into what these parts are, please know that all of these parts, just like breast sizes, as Anita said, they're different per person. They're not going to have the same look as somebody else. So your body is going to form and grow proportional to how it's supposed to be. And that includes the vulva and your vaginal opening, uterus, et cetera. Now, if you note, I am using these terms. These are the terms we teach in the classroom setting. They're not slang terms. Part of it is to empower people that this is their body and there's nothing wrong with these body parts. They're there for a reason. Typically in the classroom, I prefer students to use the terms, the actual body terms, because as I said in an earlier episode, We don't necessarily have slang terms for an ear, but why would we have it for a vulva or vagina? It's creating a barrier of communication. So for other episodes, you know, continue to expect that we're not going to be using slang terms. Right. Now, the next area I'd like to talk about is the hair growth for most girls. And Anita, do you want to start talking about that? So, yes. So hair growth.
2: Is definitely something that is is a major conversation, uh, in particular with my sixth grade girls, because by the time they get to middle school, there are many girls that have already started shaving, either you know from the advice of, of a parent or maybe an older sibling. But there are some that uh, are nowhere near it, and you know sometimes depending on the population that you're in that you're teaching, you. Need to take into consideration that there are young girls that may not be shaving because of cultural reasons, religious reasons. And so, when discussing this with my middle school students, I try to make it clear and understandable to them that some of you may, in fact, have picked up a razor. You may have, in fact, gone and gotten some waxing with your mom when she goes. But there are other girls who are sitting there who may be, you know, quite hairy, and that's fine. You should realize that whatever your choice is, is your choice. And I think in this day and age, most young girls are really accepting of those differences, which is kind of cool. You know, I I remember, oh my gosh, I was 16 at the time, and uh, I had gone and spent a summer in Italy with my parents and visited cousins. And my female cousin, who was two years younger than I, was standing next to me as I was shaving my legs, getting ready to go to the beach. And she was horrified. She was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, I'm shaving. And she was like, why? She couldn't fathom why I was shaving. I said, because my legs are hairy. you know. Of course I'm going to shave them before going to the beach. And she said, well, we don't do that here. That was an awakening for me that you know, here in the United States, it's uh, very different than it is in other parts of the world. So just something to take into consideration.
1: Absolutely. In which when most girls are going through puberty, they may notice that they're, we have leg hairs throughout our life, but during puberty, they might get darker and longer. It depends upon your genetic history. It depends upon who you are, as well as hair typically grows for most people under the arm in which, like Anita said, that's a decision whether or not you want to have that removed. The other right. thing is the pubic area. And typically, this is definitely a sign you're going through puberty when you start seeing hair in your underwear area where there's the, the labia, the lips of the vulva. And as, you, as more years pass, you'll notice that at times, some of that hair might kind of like spread a little bit down your legs. So when you wear a bathing suit, some hairs might stick out in which you might decide to have that removed or not. That's a personal decision. And I know too, sometimes when we bring up this conversation about for hair growth for most girls, because this is a societal thing in which if you choose to remove hair and you know, it's, it's again, your choice, it doesn't matter how you identify, but typically I'll be asked questions about, well, facial hair, typically most boys will have facial hair. If it's part of their, their cultural genetic part of who they are for most girls, we don't get, we can't grow a beard. But you might notice, you know, like darker hair underneath the nose at times. And that's more if you have a a certain genetic history. And then you might also notice your eyebrows might get a little bit bushier. Mm -hmm. And again, that's um, a personal choice whether or not you want to have that removed. And there's a skill set of tweezing in which I highly recommend you go and talk with a puberty expert, a caregiver about tweezing. uh, Because at times it's, you know, how do you tweeze and how do you have it look okay that you feel comfortable as well as shaving to ask somebody about a technique for shaving. I actually had a a friend of mine that said that she was never taught and she nicked her skin pretty good that she needed stitches. Uh So I always highly recommend you have somebody help you out with that. Definitely. Yeah. And especially, you know, if you're using razors,
2: those blades are sharp and mm-hmm. they do require a certain level of uh, of expertise <laughs> to get it right. And the first couple of times may not, you may not get it right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely.
1: So another change that occurs for most girls is that you have this menstrual cycle. Menarche is the term in which you have your first menstrual cycle. And we'll go further into that for part two. But overall, if you have a period, there'll be products in which I'm going to have another episode to further talk about that. But when you get a period, the main products are menstrual pads, tampons, menstrual cups, menstrual underwear. And I know people are creating more and more things to make it feel more natural that you you can have a period and do have your typical day, go to school, go to work, exercise. That we'll discuss further. Mm-hmm. Yet, something for you to recognize that when you have this menstrual cycle that begins, we have this discharge that occurs. Yes.
2: Yes. And uh, the discharge is going to be uh, something that most young girls will uh, recognize early on because it will be something different that they notice in their underwear. It's also normal, it should be light. Not much color to it, maybe like a clear to white discoloration on the underwear. If, in fact, there is an odor that goes along with that discharge, then that would be something that you would want to mention. Because that could mean that there is um, an underlying infection, which is quite common at that age because young girls are getting used to all of these physical changes. It could be something as simple as, you know, just remembering to wipe properly, keeping the area you know, cleaner than you normally would, which by the way, It does a really good job of cleaning itself. And, you know, those are the things, too, that I want to get into in just a couple of moments is um, all of the products that are out there for young girls that I I would even suggest avoiding because of changing all of the natural chemical makeup that um, girls' bodies provide on their own. But yeah, it uh, usually is something that you would see just about two weeks before your period. It's it's a good indication that you're ovulating. If you're a young girl who is keeping a calendar and you really do like to keep track of your cycle every month, uh, when you see this, it may be good to go over to the calendar and kind of see where you're at in your month. And you, know, you kind of have a, an aha moment like, oh, okay, yeah, I am ovulating. So this does go along with that whole process.
1: I remember especially in like ninth and 10th grade, I would feel it. Like I felt like there was this, this slippery feeling in my vulva area. And I'd be sitting in a class and I would think, oh my goodness, I have my period and I'm bleeding through my underwear and to my pants. And it actually is this discharge, mm-hmm. very natural. Like Anita said, basically, if it's on your underwear, that's okay. That can be, we clean our underwear. So once it's clean, that's dissolved. It, if it's cleaned properly. It's, it's gone away and you can rewear that underwear. You don't have to do anything regarding this. And nobody typically knows that you have a discharge unless you tell them. And it's, right. again, yeah, a natural process.
2: Right. And you mentioned if you clean your underwear properly, yeah, you want to make sure that those are going into the wash and that every day you are putting on a fresh, clean pair of underwear, for sure.
1: Before, Anita, you said something that there are things we shouldn't do. Yeah.
2: So, you know, there are a ton of products that are on the market right now that are advertising um, cleaner, fresher vulvas, vaginas, and most of these products have chemicals in them that can be very disturbing to the natural flora that are found in the vagina in the vaginal area. While it sounds like a good idea because of the fresh scents, you know, the things that uh, are very appealing to young girls today, it's a good idea to keep them out of that area because again, those could be chemicals that could cause allergies. They can cause itching. They can actually increase the amount of bacteria that are in the uh, vulva area. So, you know, just my opinion is to just do what you're normally doing, continue using the body wash that you're using, the soap that you're using in the shower, and and yes. avoid putting anything in there.
1: Right. But not necessarily like that floral body wash in the vulva area.
2: Yeah. Anything that's got the floral scents or, you know, the ones that are full of perfumes can cause irritation. I mean, I, I always try to Urge young girls to use unscented, you know, just whatever it is that um, is going to clean the area thoroughly, but not aggravated in any way with those scents. I would say the same thing for products as well, you know, menstrual products. When we start getting into conversations in the next episode about pads and tampons, you know, the difference between the unscented versus the scented ones.
1: And so, another thing, like what Anita's inferring is there's a product that's a douche and that's something that typically goes into the vagina to rinse it out, quote unquote. And I remember being younger where people were like, you have this, this unfresh feeling. And it's like, you know, your discharge as well as your menstrual cycle, that's part of a natural process going on with your body. There is no reason to have a douche. There's no reason, unless you go to a medical professional because it's a health concern. But those natural things coming out of your body, please don't try to cover them up with a product. We highly recommend like what Anita said, wash the area well and use the appropriate soap with that, not these floral things.
2: Right. And especially during your menstrual cycle, you know, the discharge, as I said, is part one, in that process that lets you know that it's going to be coming. And so it's, it would be a good time to just, you know, recognize that you might need to be extra clean, if you will. But when you become when you begin menstruating um, every month, that is something that you want to take into consideration because there can be an odor that is associated with menstrual blood which can make a young girl feel very uncomfortable about her body. So regular showers will prevent that from happening along with making
1: sure that you're changing pads or tampons regularly. Yes. And which at the same time, we don't want you to have to be paranoid and overwash, but it's more we'll take care of your body and note any kind of changes. Yeah. So this concludes part one of the common changes girls experience, which includes the body changing shape of the breast development and the hip, the hips getting wider, as well as the vulva area and other reproductive parts maturing to be adult sized. Also hair growth that seems to be noticeable for girls and not always a societal thing, especially in the States, you know, we see leg hair, but again, this is a personal choice. So it's the leg hair, the underarm hair, and it's your choice whether or not to remove this, the start of the menstrual cycle, as well as the discharge that occurs during ovulation. So the next part is going to go over body parts. Anita, I want to thank you for talking about these initial changes that most girls experience. I thank you so much for your presence. And to our audience out there, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please go to the pubertyprof.com website in which you can post questions or comments. Just fill out the box on a page. And that concludes part one. I hope you have a happy and healthy day. Bye.